The Monitor Institute operates halfway in between a think tank and a consultancy. And so most of our clients are either foundations or nonprofits that are looking for our support to plan for the future, to really make changes in the ways that they operate or the programs they provide. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Impact Studios podcast series here at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business here in Ann Arbor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Sanchez-Burks, faculty director of the Impact Studio, where we harness design and business acumen to help create equitable, sustainable solutions for organizations. Today, we're joined by Jen Hoek, strategy manager at the Monitor Institute by Deloitte, and Apoorva Kanaganti, a senior consultant at Deloitte Consulting and also a Michigan Ross alum 2019. The Monitor Institute by Deloitte is a team that works with social impact focused organizations. Jen and Aporva worked on a report showing tools for scenario planning, and they're here with us to sort of talk about that report and the ways it's been helpful for a lot of organizations. So thank you both for coming on board and having this conversation. Thanks, so glad to be here. Yes, thank you, JSD. So I think the, the first question I'd like to ask is, how did each of you get started in this? Uh, it's such important work, but hearing your story, I think, could be very inspiring. Uh, Porva, do you want to begin? Yeah, I'm happy to share more. So um, I, I've worked in consulting for, I think, the all of my career, actually. Um, and I when I went to Ross to get my MBA, I really wanted to focus on transitioning from where I was working previously to working more in the social sector and in social impact. Um, I also focused on some life sciences work as well. And so coming back to Deloitte in consulting, I decided to spend, um, you know, I started out by spending a good portion of my time working on different pharma and med tech clients, and then had the opportunity right around the time of the pandemic to help support the Monitor Institute by Deloitte um, on a few projects related to COVID-19 and the social sector. And so that's really how I got involved at, um, with this report and my path there. And so spent, you know, a few months uh, working with Jen to actually develop this report, publish it, and then started working on a few of the um, kind of ideation around the workshops and how this could be applied. And then since then, Jen and a team, the team have been kind of continuing this forward um, and helping different organizations actually apply this. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Jen, what about you? Great. My pathway to get to the Monitor Institute certainly isn't linear. My background and training is in education. I started as an eighth grade English teacher and then became an instructional coach for new teachers. From there, I went to grad school and studied public policy with no intentions of ever becoming a consultant. Somehow, I landed at the Monitor Institute by Deloitte and here I get to focus on futurist thinking, so helping organizations really look long-term about the future. And then I also work a good bit on philanthropic strategy and corporate purpose. So helping companies really redefine the impact that they can have on the world. And I've been nice. doing that for about four years. Wonderful. And tell us just a little bit more, could you elaborate on how I introduced uh, the Monitor Institute by Deloitte, like the core, core focus of that work? We do a lot of that work through pro bono support from Deloitte, as well as through paid client engagements. Um, and then we also spend a lot of our time on thought leadership and research to really help push the field um, through futures thinking and through social innovation. 
So futurist thinking, um, you know, going back to, to Jules Verne and H.G. Wells and all the way now to sort of modern scenario planning, could you just share with us a little bit, what is, uh, what is futuring, what is scenario planning, um, and why is it so important for organizations? Futurist thinking or scenario planning, um, I would say scenarios is a component of futurist thinking. It's really about challenging your fundamental assumptions for what the future could look like. And when we help our clients to do that, what we're helping them to do is take an idea that they've held dear, perhaps from, from their organization's inception and help them challenge that. If that was flipped on its head, how would you adapt? How would you still get to your mission even if everything about the way that you work now or today changed. And so unfortunately, COVID, there's probably not a better example than the impact mm. of the COVID crisis to mm -hmm. think about why futurist planning and thinking is so important, not just for the social sector, but really for any business or organization. And could you, so in some ways it's not the future, but the present. Uh, so could you help us sort of understand with that case of COVID, um, sort of the context of scenario planning for the future of something that has, is uh, here and now. So the reason that scenario planning is really helpful in terms of what we're doing now and today is because you're really trying to stretch your imagination and say, what are all the possible futures that could potentially exist? Now, given all of those things, what am I thinking today in terms of my assumptions? What decisions am I making today? And what are kind of the different uh, planning activities that I'm engaged in that will actually allow us to be prepared for every single one of those futures? And that doesn't mean that you have four different plans in place, right? It could even be specific points at which you decide, all right, this is when I recognize I'm moving closer to this future. So how do I pivot to this, right? And, maybe, and you may not end up in really any one of those futures, but maybe in, in between one of those, zigzag through them, however you get there. Uh, so it's like not only for things that if things are just going just fine now and you're sort of planning for what is unknown, for example, now there's a lot of chaos, but there's so many unknowns that how this will plan, how, how it will sort of pan out. And so you're saying you can't focus for everything, but you need to be much more systematic and strategic in how to put together your resources to be best prepared for what might happen. So futuring is not prediction. It is, futuring is not prediction. You don't, you, don't have a, you don't have a crystal ball on the beginning of the report, right? Although that is one of my favorite questions. At the end of every one of our interviews, we ask people, if you had a crystal ball, what is the one question that you would want answered? And more than anything, what people wanted to know was how soon the crisis would be over and whether or not people were going to be able to put aside their differences and work together. Well, since our listeners don't have access to the video, we're on, we're on recording this with video and audio. Can you just mouth the answer? When, when will this end? So I can know personally. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Okay. Nobody, they didn't give me any clues here. So um, what have been, so in your work with organizations uh, in social sector, using this tool, what um, are some of your fun stories or insights that have come out of that? It's often not a light topic to, to discuss. And for 
Many of the staff members that I've had a chance to work with at, at nonprofits around the country, they started off feeling a little bit overwhelmed by the process of scenario planning. It's a lot of information. There's a lot of different ways the future could go. And we're all navigating this as professionals, but also personally, every single individual's life has really been upended by the COVID crisis. And through the process of scenario planning for so many of them, it's given them a structure to think about how they will respond if the future unfolds differently than they initially expected. And so I think the most rewarding part for me has been the numerous kind of individual emails I've gotten saying, I started off being afraid I would have a panic attack doing this. Uh And now I, I've talked to my husband about it and I've talked to my kids about it because I think it's, it's helping them to see that the way things are today, it's not going to be this way forever. And we might not have the answer around how quickly um, we'll be able to all hug our friends again, but that knowing that it will happen at some point in the future really helps them to hold on. All right. Uh, Could you quickly just review those four possible scenarios that you featured in your report for those who haven't studied it yet? Sure. We asked, what would it look like if the country came together, but the impact of the crisis was less painful than many thought? There in scenario one, we see this return to normal, but that's not necessarily all rosy. The pullback to the way things were is so strong for so many that it undermines the opportunity to address many of the inequities that have been unveiled and made worse by the crisis. Then in scenario two, the severity of the crisis is still lower than expected, but we really struggle to come together as a country. In that future, we could imagine divisions deepening and widening with really little reform being accomplished to address inequality or other social challenges. Basically, we can't agree on what to fix or on how to fix it. In scenario three, I always tell people that you might want to take a deep breath for this one. Um, In a world where both the crisis is more severe than many expected and we really struggle to come together, things get worse at an alarming rate. For the first time in a century, hunger overwhelms many communities. And with a social safety net that has large and growing holes, nonprofits and funders are faced with a new level of the scarcity mindset. They're trying to provide, but just really ill-equipped to meet the astonishing need that communities have. Finally, scenario four, we ask ourselves, what happens if the impact of the crisis is high and we find ways to come together? History is filled with examples of people coming together in the face of really overwhelming challenge. We describe this world as rising from the ashes. There's no denying the long-term harmful effects to our society if the crisis is very severe, but it's that very pain and challenge that allows people to put aside really long-standing differences to push towards significant structural change. Now, these four futures aren't exhaustive. 
nor are they intended as predictions. But what we tried to do is paint a vivid picture of many different possible trajectories for how the world could play out. Uh, there's a couple of really sort of critical basic steps that sort of set up this whole process. You use words like prudent assumptions and critical uncertainties. At sort of a high level, what, what is the process of using this tool look like? What we think can be really helpful for organizations is to start out by making the scenarios their own and thinking about what uncertainties, what unknowns will be most important for you as the future unfolds. And from there, the nonprofits that we have worked with have found so much value in recentering on their core values and beliefs and considering how can we achieve our mission, even if everything about the way that we have operated needs to change. And so regrounding themselves before they then turn to really beat up their current strategy. For example, there's an organization we're working with that is providing virtual therapy services. They pivoted overnight to from entirely in-person therapy services to entirely virtual services. And what they're trying to do right now is test out that approach against different scenarios. And so really exploring what would a hybrid future look like where they have a combination of both virtual therapists and those who travel to provide in-person services. Fantastic. It reminds you of this idea of hybrid isn't just post-pandemic, but when the Met says go to your local movie theater and you can participate in the opera. Uh, some of this <laughs> yeah. had existed before and it's some ways, wow, let's, uh, let's sort of think about from a bricolage perspective what has been done in the past and recombine these in interesting ways. Yeah, the pullback to the way things were is really strong. And so I think in some ways the length of this disruption has caused people to get more creative and, and more imaginative because we've been navigating this crisis for going on 11 months. Right, yeah. So um, thank you so much for that. What, what is most transformative about scenario planning approach more broadly? Um, what is sort of the real big aha people come away with when they realize this isn't just a typical, let's plan for the next quarter or the next year. Um, what, what really makes it distinctive and transformational? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as we heard in our webinar today, the first question we always get is, which one do you think is going to happen? And I think when we, when in the workshops that I've been a part of walking folks through some of this, the part where you really get to that aha moment or the part where you can really tell that they kind of understand the goal of what scenario planning is trying to achieve is that it's not a prediction. Like we're not trying to predict a future or pick the one that we think is the most likely or pick the one that feels the best, right? It's really about like, how can we make sure we're planning today to be able to, um, to be adequately prepared for any situation that we might be able to, that we might face in the future. Nice. And so what's next? What's, what's the, what is the future for each of you? I have been trying to stay as involved as I can, um, just given kind of some of the other projects that I've been working on. As I mentioned, I, I spend about half my time trying to do social impact projects and about half my time kind of working in our traditional private sector space um, at Deloitte. 
And so I've been unfortunately less involved um, with some of the, the, the scenarios application and all those pieces, but try to kind of jump in wherever I can. Um, I think John can probably give you a lot more context and some of the really exciting things that are, are happening going forward. What's next? Gosh, we are continuing to work to help as many nonprofits as possible consider and work through the scenarios. So at the moment, I have five different clients that I'm working with um, on this topic and helping them to go through that with their senior staff and their executive leadership to really do some planning for the future. And then I'll, of course, make a plug for some of our upcoming work. Absolutely. which is to share that in the next couple of weeks, we're looking forward to publishing our, it's been six months, what's happening now in scenario planning. And so we have rewritten the scenarios to talk about how they could all still play out, even if the exact details underneath of them perhaps didn't come to pass. Wonderful. Wow. Apoorva, Jen, thank you so much for this again. Um, they have put together this amazing toolkit, which is widely available on futuring, specifically within scenario planning in the social sector. And we're happy to share that. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, wit and wisdom, and most importantly, your time. Thanks so much for having so us today. Having us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Glenn Bugala. <laughs>